across the fruited plains of Central Virginia. This is former Congressman Tom Garrett sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee on a 20 FM 92.7 FM. The answer and the call in number is 804-454-1366. If you don't call in to tell me what you think you're going to hear what I think. However, praise God, we have freedom in this country and therefore you can change the channel, but you won't if you're smart. Now, let me tell you a story. I was driving in today, and I was listening to another radio station. I apologize for that, but I have this bad habit of telling the truth. And filling in for some guy, some guy named Limbaugh was a fellow named Jason Smith, whose office was two doors down from mine while I was in Congress. And I and I, I got to tell you, I, I texted to taunt him because I said, you know, you're stuck doing Limbaugh. Garrett is in for Scott and Richard Lee. So he's probably a little bit jealous, um, but he's a good guy, and he did a passable job. For the next three hours, though, stick right here on the answer. You're going to get a little bit better quality of work than you get on that other station. Folks, I want to read to you today a little bit of a historical document. You may recognize this. Uh, if you don't, um, we have a bigger problem than perhaps I'm aware of. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of, not the guarantee of. That is, in fact, from the Declaration of Independence. It was written by a guy from Charlottesville, Virginia, who is much um, maligned these days by virtue of the fact that apparently he had horrific character flaws. Uh, Jefferson did own slaves. Therefore, of course, any thinking or, or work that he did should be thrown out. The proverbial baby and bathwater should go out together. But I foreshadow. No, look, we need to separate, obviously, the human being from the human failing. But I think those words from the Declaration of Independence are incredibly true. And if you've ever written a job, um, a resume, an application, that Declaration of Independence was really America's resume as it sought to join the community of nations. Here's who we are. Here's what we believe. These are the things that we're standing up for. This is the liberty that we're asserting that we're entitled to because it was bestowed upon us, not by a government, but we were endowed with it by our creator. And these unalienable rights are rights that cannot be violated. One can attempt to violate them, but under natural law, you can't take them away. Now, you might deny someone their life, but you have, in so doing, violated natural law, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. Unless you're a baby. We got a good show coming up today. At 335, we're going to have Congressman Ralph Norman. I have to enunciate Ralph Norman, not to be confused with Governor Ralph Northam. I know both of them. I actually like both of them. I just happen to agree with Ralph Norman a lot more than I agree with Ralph Northam. I certainly can't speak. Yeah, well, call in, Ralph. We'll have you on. You know, we just read from the Declaration of Independence about rights from our creator, among these being life. Let's do a little more reading. Asked about uh, a child who was subject to an attempted abortion who was born alive. Quote, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between physicians and the mother. 
And if they decided, end quote, and if they decided that they didn't want that child that was born alive, that child would be allowed to die. You think I'm making this stuff up? The stories exist. We've heard stories from Kermit Gosnell about snipping the spinal cords of babies born alive. We've heard stories about children wrapped in blankets and left to die of dehydration or starvation. We've heard stories of human beings living, breathing, crying, dropped into buckets of formaldehyde, put into utility closets, strangled to death. And I'm not going to delve into what a late-term abortion looks like, except to say this. I was traveling with a close friend and family member who happens to be a doctor of veterinary medicine not too long ago when he received a call about a calf that had been born and the heifer had had trouble delivering that calf. And so not wanting to call a veterinarian, some individuals attempted to pull the calf from the heifer and dismembered the animal, which ultimately led to the demise of the calf and the mother. It's protocol to dismember a third trimester child inside the womb and pull it out piece by piece. There is quite literally a checklist. Left arm, right arm, torso, head, leg complete to foot with toes to ensure that all parts of this human being are removed after being fully formed. So in Congress right now, we've had a debate about the born-alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Virginia's Senate delegation, Warner and Kane, both voted against the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Senator Kane, who I also like, said that the bill was extremely misleading and unjustified and unnecessary. I wish you'd articulate further on that. Because I'm going to explain the bill in about 15 seconds on the count of three. Everybody ready? One, two, three. Here we go. It mandates that if a child who is subject to an attempted abortion is born alive, that they be given the same medical care that a human child would be given under the same circumstances had they not been subject to an attempted abortion. Let me do that again for the people listening in Orange County, because I'm from Louisa and we don't like them. It mandates that a child who had been subject to a failed abortion and is born alive be entitled to the same medical care that a comparable child would receive born alive at the same time. Now, if you can explain to me how that's extremely misleading, unjustified, or unnecessary, I'd love for you to call in at 804-454-1366. I'd love to hear it. Also, I hear about women's choices, etc. Well, okay, now we've got a scenario wherein the woman can have this choice to terminate this human life that's inside of her body. But once it leaves the womb and it's born and it's alive, even if it's the result of a medical error, is it still the woman's choice at that point? If so, I'd like to hear about that, right? Because we have a surplusage of, of people who want to adopt versus healthy children to be adopted. We have a broken system that i shameless plug for former Governor Bob McDonald, at least somebody's trying to fix or somebody tried to fix to marry people up. But once that child slips from the womb, I think an argument about the mother's health is 
terminated, pun intended. So that's it. And at 35, we're going to have Congressman Ralph Northam, North Norman, my mistake, of South Carolina, to talk about what's going on in Congress. 405, Diana Shores from the Commonwealth for Life. And at 505, my good friend Jay James from the Bridge Ministry to discuss the amazing power of love and redemption. Folks, this is former Congressman Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee. On 820 FM, 92.7 FM, The Answer. You can call Golden Fate and choose which trunk to take. I got three wishes for you. Want to help Richard prove Scott's wrong once and for all? Call the Lee Brothers at See if I can get the station ID right for the first time today. On 820 AM, 92.7 FM, the answer. Ha! Proving that even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while. That's www.820theanswer.com. Phone number 804-454-1366. If you liked the bumper music on the way out, it was Ocean versus Daughter. And on the way in, Shiloh, both local musical acts. Shy, low. Uh, I like both songs. So we're talking about the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Now, I sometimes like to get my heart rate up, but I can't lift weights every day. And so when I'm unable to do that, I like to maybe read Vox. I pulled an article entitled, A Republican-backed bill to protect, quote, abortion survivors just failed, but it still matters. I mean, how <laughs> when your headlines bias any any sort of perception of objectivity, I mean, what's not an abortion survivor after someone tries to abort a child and it's born and it's alive? Does, why, why are the quotes necessary? Um, but, you know, and in that article, the author points out it's an extremely unlikely scenario that a child should be born alive. Well, OK, so you're saying that it happens. I mean, it's an extremely unlikely scenario that someone should set, praise God, a church or a mosque or a synagogue on fire. But we have legislation directed at protecting against that. And I think we should. So on the line, Josie from Richmond, you're on with Tom. Yes. Hi, Tom. Um, I'm calling because there's all kinds of other things that one can do about this abortion issue. And I can say for myself if I were coming in with a severe uh, problem um, that I would n- never have a real life just being cared for by others, I would say, please, g- get me out of here, do abortion early, later, whenever, just do it and get it over with. I'll come back later when the body is uh, right. I do not see a lot of people coming in to say, oh, I want to adopt this child that's uh, this total invalid. Um, they will adopt healthy babies. Now, the other question that I know about um, a lady named um, Nicole Maxwell from the Made Friends with the Indians down in the Amazon area, 
and they never had about more than two children because if there was a sudden emergency, a parent could each parent could um, grab one child. So they usually had about two children, and they had plants there that nobody wants to adopt, neither the um, Planned Parenthood group or the other side. They don't want to even look at it. So, but so Josie, who should be the arbiter of what? Pregnancy. Who should be the arbiter of what child we can kill? They, they prevent. I, I'm pregnancy. just curious. Should it be a government decision? Should it be if the child is born alive? Because I haven't spoken to abortion inside the womb. We're talking specifically about post-birth abortion here. So, who yeah. should be the arbiter of which child survives? Well, all I know is that um, it, the most people do not wait until the last minute because it's a matter of convenience or anything like I, that. I hadn't said any of that. They I'm asking you a simple question, find, and that is who should be the arbiter of who, who lives and who dies? Well, if, the, if they find I out— I would say God. If, if you find out that your child has no brain stem and would be an invalid for the rest and be—you and, know, that's— that's a different story. If yeah, but but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a child who is subject to the procedure of abortion and somehow slips from the womb alive, which according to the liberals at Vox, who used abortion survivors in quotes because they wouldn't tell us the truth, it happens. Right. Well, let me let me tell you a story, Josie. Thank you for calling. Let me tell you a story. I sat on the the courts of justice committee in the Virginia State Senate, and there was a bill to allow uh, easier access to the termination of life of the quote profoundly disabled and incompatible with life. Incompatible with life. The last time a government used the term incompatible with life, we declared war on them and we defeated them in Berlin in 1945. Okay, and so my colleague and friend Don McEachin strode to the podium and said it's tragic to say, but some people simply aren't compatible with life, at which point my good friend Mike, and I won't use his last name because I haven't asked permission, moved to the podium in a manner that reflected a disability to be sure and looked at the committee and spoke and brought tears to the eyes of many and said, by the definitions in this bill, I'm incompatible with life. My friend Mike, who is certainly disabled by a worldly definition, whose parents were told they should abort because he was going to be quote-unquote special needs. Look, folks, the first word in special needs is special. Matriculated undergraduate school and then get a master's degree, and I don't hold this against him even though I'm a proud Virginian, and then get a master's degree from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And according to that bill... Mike was incompatible with life. Now, I had the opportunity to sit at a dinner table with my friend and his wife shortly before their first child was born. And I'll tell you that that's a man who stood up to fight to protect those who can't protect themselves with more courage and articulation, even through challenges that he has overcome than I often see, whether in Congress or Richmond or on the County Board of Supervisors. Who will be the arbiter of who lives and dies? I would argue that if it becomes a human being's job to do that, we are beyond help. Because, as we open the show with, we are endowed by our creator with inalienable rights, and among these is life. I'm Tom Garrett, filling in for the Lee Brothers on 820 The Answer, FM 92.7.
Freedom isn't passed through the bloodstream, it's fought for daily. Fight alongside the Lee brothers. Welcome back. This is Congressman Tom Garrett, former Type 1 each, on 820 AM and 92.7 FM, The Answer. Call in line is 804-454-1366. We were discussing discussing the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, and our caller Josie suggested that human beings should be the arbiters of children who are outside of the womb and whether they live or die, and I would suggest that that's a pretty dangerous precedent. Joining us on the line right now is a close friend, really somebody who I genuinely look up to. We don't have a lot of time, but we'd love to keep him after the uh, half hour. From Thailand, uh, Ranger Dave, you there? Yes, sir. Outstanding. The miracles of modern technology. Folks, I did not know we were going to get Dave just now, but I'll take it. This is a man who has dedicated his life to helping others, helping people who the rest of the world has forgotten about. Um, 1947, Dave, significant world events in Southeast Asia, 1947. Yes, sir. Well, that's when Burma became independent. And that's beginning of the longest civil war also in the, U- in the world right now. So I've been blessed to have learned a little bit about what's going on in Myanmar, uh, Burma. Um, I don't know nearly as much as uh, former Ranger Special Forces operator David Eubank, who's been there for a long time, whose father's been in the region for even longer. But after the break, we're going to hopefully hold on to him. The longest-running civil war on Earth, you probably haven't heard of it. And, Dave, I like to tell people that you hear some today about the Rohingya, but there's the Karen, the Kachen, the Chen, the, the innumerable tribes, right? And and can you, when we yes, come sir. back, if you can stick around for five or six minutes, can you just sort of tell us about the history and how the government interacts with its minority communities? I can, Tom, and most importantly, love you, brother. Great to be connected. Outstanding. We look forward to you. Stick around for the best radio in Richmond. This is former Congressman Tom Garrett on AMA 20, FM 92.7, The Answer. Radio Great Again. It's the Lee Brothers. Welcome back. This is former Congressman Tom Garrett filling in for the Lee Brothers today. My friend Jason Lee was filled in for some guy named Limbaugh. He's eating his heart out because I'm filling in for Scott and Richard. On the best talk in Richmond, 820 AM, 92.7 FM, The Answer. Folks, we got a really, really special human being on the line, literally from the other side of the world. It's 3.34 p.m. in the great city of Richmond, Virginia. What time is it in uh, Chiang Mai, Dave? Uh, 2.30 in the morning, sir. So you are you're, you are literally on the other side of the world, and you sound like you've been behaving. You're up this late. To bring a message, I hope, <laughs> we talked about um, the longest-running civil war on the planet Earth and tragically one that most Americans have never heard about. 1947, Burma gains independence after sort of doubling down on supporting the Japanese during the Second World War. The U.S., the British said, hey, if you guys, the minority tribes, help us out, we'll make sure we take care of you after the fight's over. Of course, 
we blew the end game. And tell us about what's been going on since. Well, sir, it's been the minority groups attacked by a series of dictators um, in Burma or Myanmar, and it's been fighting ever since. And up, up till right now, it's been fighting, even though the Burma government, they changed the name of the country to Myanmar, and the generals put on suits a few years ago to try a form of democracy. It turns out the military still really runs the place. And the situation has become now worse, with over 750,000 Rohingya driven out. Right now, Tom, 16,000 displaced Arakan, which are in the same state as Rohingya, but they're Buddhist, being chased out. Before it was Muslims, now it's Buddhist. And up in the north, 100,000 Kachin displaced. And just this last week in Karen State, which is the eastern side of Burma, where they have a ceasefire, the Burma army is pushing roads through and attacking. So it's worse all over in, in Burma. I, I want to put it in context, though. At the same time, the central core of Burma, you'd go as a, as a tourist and go, well, nothing's going on here because that part is peaceful and completely under control of the government. So you, there are areas where there's no fighting, but those are areas the army already has what it wants. But everywhere else in the ethnic areas, there's fighting. So this is something, again, now you talk about persecution of Muslims, the Rohingya, which, which has sort of made some ripples in the news. Uh, there's persecution of Buddhists, really by Buddhists. There's a Christian minority, right? And, and, and they've met sort of with the same fate? Yes, sir. A- anyone who claims a higher authority than the government is going to be attacked. And the Christians from the beginning have claimed the highest authority is God, who's over everyone. And we should all be part of his family. And the, the Burma army doesn't like that. So Christians have been persecuted in Burma since the beginning. Now, again, if you're in a government-controlled area and you just keep your head down, you can worship, you can, you can be okay. But if you're in the minority area up in the mountains, then churches are burned and pastors are attacked along with everyone else. And if you say that you believe that people are endowed by a creator with inalienable rights, that these rights come from God and not the government, that might put you in bad standing. And, and I'm just tying together segments here, Dave, uh, with the government in, in, yes. in Myanmar. Yes, that's right. And so tell and, us and about Tom, the work that you do. You're, you're affiliated. You founded the Free Burma Rangers, correct? I did. And I don't get a chance to get on the radio with you at all, so I'm going to say this right up front. Tom, you are a great hero, not just an American hero, a world hero. And I saw you in action in Syria, where we also are working, how you opened doors, how you spoke for our country and for the highest values, and how you took challenges and faced them. You're one of the bravest men I've met. And so I just want to get that in there for your listeners and go, Tom is the real thing. And when he goes somewhere, it's a great thing for America. Yeah, well, I'm a marginally competent radio host. I do this for diesel money, and I drive a car that's powered by gas. So you, <laughs> you figure it out. But but it's awful kind of you. Honestly, I mean, the, the week that we spent in Syria really changed my life. It's really worked to change members of my family's lives. And uh, I just, again, I mean, I got some heroes. We had we had John McGuire on last, last show that I was on, and Dave Eubank. But I want to talk about FBR, Free Burma Rangers, what you've done in Burma, but what you've done around the world, why you do it. We were talking about, and we're going to talk about in the next hour, uh, the sanctity of human life. Every single human life uh, is created by something too big for us to understand. You see life and death in what you do every day. I think you've been shot, correct? I met... Uh, uh, yes, sir. Dolo's been shot, what, six times? The guys, uh, the guys Muhammad was, was shot. Muhammad was shot six times. Another one of my guys, Hussein, was shot six times. I was shot one time. 
so I'm luckier than them. You're you're um, you're a low achiever. <laughs> and so our our work is our has primarily been in Burma. We have right now eighty to ninety relief teams working inside the conflict areas in Burma. But the last five years, because of ISIS actions in the Middle East, we've also took teams from Burma into the Middle East, first in Kurdistan, Iraq, we're in the Battle of Mosul the whole year. That's where I was shot. And then also into Syria, where, where we met. And actually, we'd met earlier in D.C., but that's where you um, helped open new doors for us in Syria. And so when ISIS was down to its last stronghold, which was this, this February and March, in a little place called Baghouz on the Syrian-Iraqi border, with your help, we were able to get there and help. And we were helping first the Syrian Democratic Forces who were getting shot as we were providing medical care. But also, we were helping our enemies in the end because 25,000 ISIS families came out surrendering. Women and kids, and kids didn't, had no idea what's going on. You know, little babies. And, and the child there. of an ISIS fighter. The child of an ISIS right. fighter had no choice in, in, in that birth, correct? So certainly where there's... No, Ilya, who you met, sir, Ilya, our medic, that you mm-hmm. had delivered six of them in, right in the desert. Little babies being born. He delivered him. You met him in. in my yeah, I know Ilya. He's, he's uh, he, he he. Yep. He, uh, he's a remarkable guy. Now, does he play guitar? Yes, he does. I thought he did. Um, we're digressing here, folks. Uh, but again, I want to get the message out about FBR. So you've been on the ground in Iraq. You've been on the ground in Syria. You have worked for years in Burma, Myanmar. Uh, we've both been to Sudan. South Sudan is somewhere where I hope to be going before too long to help some of the people there. Um, uh, but, but how can people yes, help Free Burma Rangers do what Free Burma Rangers does? Well, I think first, those who believe in God, pray for us, that we are Jesus ambassadors. We're not a religious organization. We have people from many faiths, but I want to follow Jesus, and I want to act in love. And I think that's number one, that we would act in love, because if we only just give food and medicine and stand with people, that's a very temporary thing. But if people can know that they're loved, if they know they can call on God, and they can call him by what name they feel, just try. But for me, I say, Jesus, help. And he helps. And I think that's the first thing is prayer. If they're interested in other ways of helping us, you can look at freeburmarangers.org. That's our website. And you can see if you want to volunteer or donate, that's up to you. But we appreciate all kinds of help. Well, I've been I've been going to the gym. And uh, that's part of the reason is because I'm coming over there at some point and do some work with you. Um, we would love it. The other part is I was just getting too fluffy. Um, <laughs> so I'm allowed to say no, you're, that. you're, a, you're a door kicker. You can, you can open things. <laughs> for I'm allowed to say that. Um, but th- there was a video that I was able to watch that just, I've showed it to so many people and I want to plug that real quick folks. If you're at home and you, uh, have YouTube and if you don't have YouTube, then, then, uh, we need, I invite you cordially to the 21st century Google search, um, David Eubank, Oliver North, and there's a 38 minute feature uh, that sort of outlines some of the work that Dave's done. And Dave, in that video, what you talked about is how the most transformative power in the world is love, right? That that the basis of everything is love. Yes, sir. Speak to that. A guy who's worked with people, seen friends killed, seen people shot, rescued children only to see them, you know, m- murdered by landmines, what, minutes later. Uh, uh, speak to sort of what love means in a world that sometimes seems like it makes no sense. Well, sir, love sets us free. And you know, love is the most powerful and wonderful thing to, to work with and work for. I mean, for me, I believe those words, God is love. And so no matter what you call God, God is love. And everything we do in love is worth it. Everything you do in love is not crazy, no matter what people say, because it's love. And it's about 
something going out from you for someone else. And then you're going to get it back also. But sometimes one, another great thing about love is not only it's the greatest thing to work for, it gives you the most power and, and good comes from it. When you're mistreated, we all have been mistreated by enemies, whether they have uniforms and shoot at you or, or whether that they were, you thought they were your friends or your family and that hurts even more. One thing about love, when you are attacked by your enemy, if you ask for love, even for your enemy, it doesn't mean you just crumble and, and let them do evil, but you will not be a prisoner of hate. And you will be able to know the difference between justice and revenge. And Jesus showed me that, that even when I'm wrong, the things are terrible, vengeance belongs to him. So I can act in love. I can still go for justice. I can still try to stop the perpetrator, but I actually care about the per- perpetrator. And maybe very strangely, that keeps me free because I had it the other way. When someone's done the wrong thing to me, and in this case, ISIS, and killed a little kid next to me, not only do I want to kill ISIS, I don't care about him anymore. I don't care about any of these individuals. And ISIS, for example, is evil and it needs to be stopped. But all human beings, even those in ISIS, they can change. The Apostle Paul was Saul, who was killing Christians before Jesus changed him. And so not only love is a power to transform people, but it transforms me and keeps me from being a prisoner of hate and of bitterness from the wrong things done to me. Again, whether it's by an enemy or, or by a friend. And so I love has that double power to be able to help others and enjoy life, but also to keep us free from hate and destroying ourselves. So it's, it's freeburmarangers.org, am I correct? Yes, sir. Freeburmarangers.org. Go to YouTube, folks at home. Type in Oliver North, David Eubank, E-U-B-A-N-K. Uh, this is former Congressman Tom Garrett filling in for the Lee Brothers. Dave, I would love to keep you for about another 15 minutes if I can. We are on... Richmond's best talk, the answer, AMA 2092.7. And we'll see you right back after the break. Out on the open sea, two blues is all you see. I've been here waiting for you. You can call Golden Fate and choose which drums. Kind, compassionate, and tolerant. Oh, wait, that's a different show. The Lee Brothers. My daddy served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother, my brother, my sister, and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Welcome back. It's former Congressman Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on the best talk in Richmond, 820 a.m., 92.7 FM. The answer, and on the line, literally from the other side of the world, Dave Eubank. Again, if you got YouTube, Google search Oliver North, David Eubank. It's about a 38-minute featurette interview. Amazing. It's probably one of the best things I've ever watched. Truly, mean it. It just moves you. I had my wife crying. Um, Dave, before the break, we were talking about just the power, the transformative power of love. And, 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 I, and I don't know if I made light of it. I mean, I've been sort of snapped at by the president in the Oval Office. You've been shot. Um, I know which I'd rather, um, but it's important to do things to help people. What Freeburn Rangers does, it's a little different than what some of the really, really big aid organizations do. And you've worked with some, and I'm not going to name them, but some good groups uh, to, to get to the places they can't go, to get food to people, to get water to people. Really, one of the big things you guys do, uh, Ilya certainly being a, a superhero to that end, is medical care. Give us some numbers. You know, talk about the number of people you've helped in Syria, the number of people you've helped in Iraq. Um, obviously, the number is countless in, in Myanmar and Burma. 
Yes, sir. Well, in Burma, our teams treat up to 100,000 patients a year on missions. We have many teams, 80 to 90 teams in the field, and help over in other ways. We've helped over a million people there. But in, in Iraq, in the Battle of Mosul, we fed 75,000 people, and that wasn't our money. We, we were very small, but there was other large organizations that couldn't get to in the, in the actual fighting, or some of the people stayed in their homes in Mosul and wouldn't come out, thousands of them. And so you had to get, feed them there as you liberated each block. And so with the help of other people, we were able to be a conduit for that food. And then our medics treated thousands in Mosul also. In Syria, this last stronghold of ISIS, in this last mission, we've done eight missions in Syria, but this last mission, we were there for six weeks as, at the end of the physical caliphate. Of course, ISIS is still all over the place. Absolutely. They lost their last stronghold. And again, with help of large organizations from around the world, we were able to be that frontline conduit, and we were treating the Syrian Democratic Forces as they were shot because we were right next to them on the front line. And then my family, the rest of the team, was back about a mile where the ISIS families were breaking out and being processed back in the desert. And we fed 25,000 of them. There was actually 30,000 people that left in the last six weeks. 5,000 of them we couldn't feed because we didn't have enough food at that moment. But we gave everyone medical treatment, which was over 4,000 people that were shot we were able to get medical treatment for. And that was almost round-the-clock work by our medics. It brings and, to my mind... My, go ahead, sorry. No, and my daughters, who are not medics, but they're women... And there's most of these were women and children and they came out and all from ISIS and it worked a lot better to have our women working on these women. And so my oh, yeah. daughters became the hands for our medics, for Ilya and our other medics. Well, it's a, you know, I could sit like we were having a phone call. We're doing radio there. This is a party line. But a couple of stories come to my mind. When we were in Syria, we stopped in Raqqa, which had been the capital of the caliphate, to, to go to a playground. Uh, tell us about that playground to, to the, some of the other playgrounds we saw. Well, that started back in, in Iraq and in Kurdistan as, as areas were liberated, and we were moving with the Kurds and then the Iraqi army. A group called Reload Love in America said, would you guys want to put playgrounds in? And I thought, yeah. We, that's not only great for children. That's the most important thing about them. They're a symbol of hope and new life. So when you liberate an area, you're not just taking it over. We're, putting, we're giving you a service, a playground. So this organization, Reload Love and some other friends, gave us the funds to... to buy and put in. These are big playgrounds. And the same in Syria. In every area liberated from ISIS, we were able to put in playgrounds. And, and, we, and we saw, do, I think we saw three of them, and every one of them was just bustling with young people. I mean, it was amazing. And then the one in Raqqa, the thing that stands out is, if I recall correctly, if I stood with my back to the right, to the playground, to my right shoulder, was what had been the main church in Raqqa. And it was a shell. It had been blown up by ISIS. But here's this hope in the form of a playground, which sounds mundane, unless you're a five-year-old who's, who's seen family members murdered and raped. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that was amazing. And then, of course, we stopped. And I'm going to get this. I think I said this last time I was on, on here on a 20 a.m. 92.7, The Answer. One of the things you said to me, there were two. One was straight out of the Bible, seek ye first the kingdom of God. The other one was, you know, everybody's going to die. The question becomes how you're going to live. And when we stopped in Raqqa, I think Dr. Omar, one of the people who was with us, said, if you stop here, they can kill you. And we just walked onto the playground and smiled and, you know, said hello to people. And it was, to me, it was, that was freedom. And it, it felt like it mattered, you know. And again, as I, as I go on my soliloquy here for a moment, I didn't find that in Washington, D.C. 
I did, uh, you know, 435 members of Congress, I felt more, I felt like I was doing more good when we, when we were able to get two ambulances and a truck uh, across the pontoon bridge from Iraq into Syria with, with, with Dave Eubank folks. So those are things that stick out in my mind. So, so what's, what's next? I mean, you know, um, the, tragically, uh, there are any number of places in the world, but your focus right now is Syria. Is that right? Yes, sir. Again, our main efforts all is, is still Burma, but we're taking teams from, from Burma into Syria because that's right now the most volatile. And you talked about playgrounds. I remember seeing a little girl sitting on a swing and hair, her, her hair was blowing. She went in the swing and as she moved, this huge smile on her face. And I thought, this is a little girl who lived under ISIS. Her body has not ever moved like this. Mm-hmm. Sitting on a swing may not be much to an American kid, but to a little girl who's never had freedom to get out of a building, who's never been able to move without sacks and sacks of black over her, to be moving in a swing right. by her little friend. Oh, man, it made, it made me cry. We're coming up and about 15 I, so seconds to break. Can I keep you for about five okay. more minutes? We've got 15 seconds to break. Can I keep you for about five more minutes? Yes, sir. All right, folks, this is former Congressman Tom Garrett with a great man, a hero, David Eubank, founder of the Free Burma Rangers. This is 820 AM, 92.7 FM, Richmond's Best Talk. This is the answer. Richard Lee, the circus clowns of talk radio. This is Tom Garrett filling in for Scott and Richard Lee on a 20 a.m. 92.7 FM, The Answer. And we got the best bumper music in Richmond, but we're going to cut right straight back to my friend, founder of the Free Burma Rangers, David Eubank, Dave we had about two or three minutes left. What do people need to know about what's going on right now? What are your takeaways from having been a soldier and a missionary, from having seen p- people killed but but saving lives too? Well, I think, sir, you got to you got to fight evil, and and often that's with guns and with force. At the same time, though, the idea must be met with love. So, on one hand, you fight evil and you say, "Stop, we're not going to let you continue." But on the other hand, you put a hand out and say, "Look, we're all human. We all make mistakes. There is another way." And in terms of ISIS, it's not just a physical caliphate, it's an idea. And that idea is hateful and oppressive. And so that needs to be countered at the same time the physical force, but with another hand saying, here's love, here's forgiveness, here's another way. And I saw you in Syria helping in that, helping keep the U.S. engaged. The United States cannot solve the problems in Syria. We can't solve problems around the world, but our presence, wherever we can be, allows other people to have an opportunity to solve these problems. And so it's very important that we stay places where we can help and not just watch things, people get slaughtered. Again, that we don't need to solve it, but we stand there and help other people work together with us and they can solve it. And I think that's true, in, especially in northeast Syria. And I just appreciate how you are willing to come out there to give that message back to our government and to give hope to the people there. Oh, we're still working at it. My friend... FreeBurmaRangers.org. Folks, go to YouTube, type in Oliver North, David Eubank. Watch the 38-minute video that comes up. It's amazing. Uh, Dave, it's, it, you know, the, the story of the Good Samaritan wasn't about helping a stranger on the side of the road. It was about helping a stranger who was really antithetical to your group of people. It was essentially an enemy. And that love is transformative. And you've seen it firsthand. Just an honor to have you on. 
Uh, really look forward to talking to you soon. And thank you for everything you do, folks. If you can help support Free Burma Rangers, it's a worthwhile thing to do. I'm Tom Garrett filling in for Scott and Richard Lee on 820 AM, 92.7 FM, Richmond's Best Talk. The Lee Brothers on 820 AM and 92.7 FM. There are many questions, but this is the answer. I stole that. I like it. Uh, Joining us now uh, and moving back to the theme upon which we started the show is the director uh, of Commonwealth for Life, uh, Virginia First, really a hero in her own right. Uh, We're not, you know, I'm going to digress for a moment because I'm not good at much, but by golly, I can handle digression. When I prosecuted people who, who preyed on children, it was never really, to me, as much about justice or, or retribution or any of that as it was about preventing the next child from becoming a victim. And so you could never quantify how much good you'd done because you didn't know the child who wasn't victimized. And when we talk about promoting the sanctity of life, acknowledging that certain rights are endowed to us by our creator, and among these our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, This is the kind of warrior that joins us now. Diana Shores stands up for life and the sanctity of life and the beauty of life. Welcome to a 20 a.m. 92.7 FM, The Answer. Tough act to follow. Diana, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. And thank you for what you've done for religious freedom and for life um, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. If I could start off by circling back to caller Josie um, from the first part of the hour who disparaged the life of those born with disabilities. I just want to say that I worked with people with disabilities as a director of a day program. And every day I looked into their eyes and I saw life, beauty, and uniqueness in each and every one of them. And shame on Josie. And for those who think like her, it's probably why we're here talking about this issue and that we've passed more bills to protect pets in the Commonwealth of Virginia than human babies. Well, and I sat at the lunch table in high school with a young man who, again, because I haven't sought anyone's permission, we'll call Jimmy. And Jimmy was was profoundly disabled. He he, he very early in the year, my junior year, decided he was going to come sit at a lunch table. And he taught me what joy was. And and he showed me something about about being comfortable in his own skin and 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 the smile that would take up his face. And we were every day happy to see him. And when he missed a day of school. You know, a bunch of self-absorbed, self-centered 16, 17-year-olds wondered what was going on with Jimmy. And and I'm going to tell you something. My goal in life is to make the world a better place for having been here. And that young man, profoundly disabled though he may have been, did that for innumerable people simply by his presence. And that's that's that that lesson is lost on so many people that there's value in life. And I guess I said this to Josie. You know, the first word in special needs is special. Right. And who are we to be the arbiters of what is and isn't value? It's been a big week for life in the Commonwealth. Tell us about Wednesday. You had an event and you got something going on tomorrow. 
Yes. So we have had uh, just since February the 7th, we had a a rally at the Capitol that had 1,200 people. And and these events have grown and grown. And then on Wednesday, we had the March for Life National Organization come to Virginia for the Virginia uh, March for Life that was um, headed up by the Virginia Family Foundation. And it was a wonderful event where they're they're saying that 7,000 pro-lifers came to tell uh, Dr. Ralph Northam that we are opposed to infanticide and abortion here in Virginia. It was a great event. Um, we had Dr. Alveda King come and lead um, a pastor's prayer service in front of the mansion. It was a very powerful time uh, to have pastors coming together for a common purpose. We had an event there um, at a church, and it was just I'm just blown away by how it seems like the pro-life community and the church is really opening their eyes and waking up to the fact that we cannot be silent any longer. And tomorrow at the Richmond Convention Center, doors open at 11 o'clock for the Day of Mourning. The Day of Mourning is a national movement to have a time of repentance and prayer. And they started in Albany, and now they're coming to Richmond, Virginia tomorrow. Tickets are free, but you must register. And those that are interested could go to dayofmourning.org to register for their tickets. Dayofmourning.org. And meanwhile, in Washington, and we're going to have on after you, he was coming on before you, and I have to enunciate here, Congressman Ralph Norman of South Carolina to talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. And we just had the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, which didn't get the 60 votes that it needed to move forward in the Senate. And you talk about the church. Look, I, I'm, I studied the Constitution. It's, I'm a nerd, but I've embraced it at my old age, so that's good. Um, and, and the Establishment Clause says, make no laws establishing a religion nor prohibiting the free practice thereof. So I'm not telling you that we should inject politics into religion. But if you believe that your faith compels you to stand up for life, then, then, then your faith compels you to stand up for life, and you're allowed to do that. Now, that gives me—I'm looking at an op-ed by, by Jeff Caruso, who had formerly worked— uh, at the Catholic Diocese here in Virginia, and he points out that Senators Kane and Warner voted against the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Senator Kane called it extremely misleading, unjustified, and unnecessary. But the Catholic bishop said, and I quote, this, that this bill did not pass unanimously, yet alone, let alone even pass at all, is appalling beyond comp- comprehension. Now, Kane says it's misleading. I think, Diana, you followed this. Correct me if I'm wrong. What this bill would have done is mandate that a child that somehow was able to escape the womb during an abortion attempt alive simply receive the same care that a child of the same gestational age would receive should it be outside the womb. Is that is that kind of how you get it? That's exactly it. And it's just as simple as what you what you stated. We're just asking for equal protection for these children that are born born alive. See, this is what's happening, Tom. The pro-abortion proponents are continuing to expose themselves for who they really are. Senator Tim Kaine speaks out of both sides of his mouth all the time. He claims to be a man of faith. He claims to be a Catholic who who is um, moved by his faith and his beliefs, but but can't find it in his heart to see that a, uh, an innocent baby that's born alive receive medical attention. And so he would rather this baby be born, and in the words of, of Dr. Northam, be kept comfortable and left on the table to die. This is cold and callous, and this is this is not the American way. Well, and again, I mean, I, I count Tim Kaine and Ralph Northam as among people I know and, 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 and enjoy the company of. But we aren't making this stuff up, folks. Um, again, we talked about this earlier. Kermit Gosnell talked about snipping the spines of newborn babies. 
we heard, we've heard stories, true stories, of babies being stuffed into plastic sacks to suffocate. We've heard stories of living, breathing, crying human babies, born alive, dropped into buckets of formaldehyde, left to die of dehydration. Right? We're way beyond pain capable. These are human beings outside the womb. And, and, and again, I mean, I'm not, I, look, I mean, if you don't believe the same things I believe on a political issue, vote the other way. That's the beauty of this country. But there are some fundamental truths at play here, are there not, Diana? That's absolutely correct. And we know that the culture in general has told us that when they hear um, the ultrasound heartbeat of a baby, their mind is changed. And so that's one of the things that we're finding, even with this movie that's come out unplanned, which is the story of Abby Johnson. The left is enraged that she's out there telling the truth about Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry, because they know that when people sit in the movie theater and they see the reality of the abortion on the big screen, that when they leave, they're changing their minds. Well, and And we got about 30 seconds to break. I hope I can keep you through the rest of the half hour. Um, what was the movie Unplanned rated by the Motion Picture Association of America? Rated R. Right? Uh, so, folks, this is Tom Garrett filling in for the Lee Brothers on AMA 20, 92.7 FM, The Answer. We hope you stick around. Literally, we're discussing an issue that's as important as life or death. We'll be back. diversity, complete intolerance, and a total lack of fairness. It's the Lee Brothers. Sun coming up over New York City. School bus driver. Welcome back. 92.7 FM, The Answer. This is Tom Garrett filling in for Scott and Richard Lee. Folks, if you want to call in, I'd look, if you disagree with Diana Shores uh, of Commonwealth for Life, then you might have to debate her, and I wouldn't want any part of that. But if you want to call in, the phone number is 804-454-1366. Diana, I'm looking at some tweets opposed to the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Uh, Senator Maisie Hirano, quote, Conservative politicians should not be telling doctors how they should care for their patients. Instead, women in consultation with their families and doctors are best positioned to determine the best course of care. Um, Maybe you're familiar with this bill, right? Where in the bill does it tell doctors how they should care for their patients? Other than saying, if there's a living, breathing baby outside the womb, you need to give it medical care just like you would any other. Can you point me to the whatever it is that Senator Hirano must be talking about there? I don't know what she's talking about, but I do know that every doctor that I know has had to take an oath saying that they will, one, first do no harm to their patients. So I think that having a baby born alive and left to die on the table is contrary to the oath that they take as doctors to be, to begin with. Uh, I so, think that's a heck of a good point. Republican politicians just tried and failed to score points at the expense of women. Enough. Women and their doctors should decide what's best for their health, not the Senate GOP, says presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think statistically well over 50 percent of aborted children are female, right? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, and Democrats, <laughs> I know I'm interrupting, but I'm on a roll here. Democrats say they stand up for the little guy, but apparently not when the little guy is a six pound living, breathing human being outside the womb. Right. I mean, am I missing something? That's right. No, you're telling the truth. And they the problem with the Democrat Party is that they've got the same tired song and dance about it's This is about health care when they know that the reality of this, is this is not about health care. I mean, Josie, the caller earlier, she, she hit the nail on the head for what these people believe. They have value for some life, but not others. And they want to pick and choose whose life has value. And that's not the role of the government. That's not the role of the doctors. That is the job of our almighty God. And at the risk of stealing the Democrat talking points, the last people that did that were the Nazis. Right. I mean, it is it's mind numbing. I don't know if you know my friend Mike, who used to work with the Catholic Conference here in Virginia. When um, I think, you know, him, I don't want to use his last name because I hadn't asked him when Don McEachin said, tragically, some people are incompatible with human life. And Mike walked to the microphone and said, by the definitions in this bill, I'm incompatible with human life. That Josie should be able to say, if I were disabled, I wouldn't want to be alive is really a stretch in logic as it relates to the freedom of people like Mike. Right. I mean, he's found value in his life. I find value in his life. What human should be the arbiter of what life has value? Uh, right. No person should. It should be, should be God. But we know that the Democrats don't always uh, put forth logical um, analysis of the life issue because this is not about logic to them. It's about selling Planned Parenthood to the nation. So uh, a child can't go see the movie unplanned because it's rated R for showing um, a, a real life live uh, 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 abortion scene. So a kid can't go to that movie, but they can go to Planned Parenthood without their parents' permission and they can get an abortion. I mean, you want to talk about illogical. Um, so you have, have the left shouting about this movie that tells the truth, that t- this is Abby Johnson's story that they're trying to s- steal and silence her story, but a kid can't go to see this movie, but they can go to Planned Parenthood. Well, and you know, every movie that you watch at the end will say no animals were harmed during the production of this film, but a human life was terminated during the production of that one. I guess if I were at the MPA, that'd be my logic, but it's a little twisted, right? I mean, here's another one. I voted no on this bill. Every woman has the fundamental right to access comprehensive reproductive health care, and I remain committed to fighting for that presidential candidate, Senator Kamala Harris. Mm. Again, when the child is outside of the womb on the table, this bill would simply say that the doctor has a duty to provide the exact same care that he or she would to any other child of the same gestational age. The fact that this is controversial is frightening to me, not from an ideological standpoint, but genuinely because I fear and pray for our future. And I'm not trying to bang a theological drum. I've got a really long, wide libertarian streak. And my job is not to judge you. That belongs to God. But if we can't agree that human life has value and is to be protected, the trajectory doesn't look good. Again, any callers who have the chutzpah to take on Diana Shores, uh, you're welcome to call at 804-454-1366. I'm Tom Garrett filling in for the Lee Brothers. Diana, I'm talking a lot. You talked about tomorrow, the day of mourning. Can you give me the information on that again? That's the Richmond Convention Center. That's going to be at the Richmond Convention Center, and it's a day of prayer and mourning. It's not a rally. It's it's not a pep talk. It's not an inspirational time for us to get together and sing Kumbaya. It's It's a time of repentance and mourning over the abortions that are happening here in America. Just in the Commonwealth of Virginia, every year, 14 
5,000 Virginia babies are being aborted. So our organization, the Virginia First Foundation, and our project, the Commonwealth for Life, we've said enough is enough. We're pushing back. We are taking to the streets with our pro-life message because we know that when, when young women older women, women who are hurting from abortion, um, find out the truth about abortion, they can find hope and healing, and they often change their minds about how they feel about abortion in America. And we terminate Uh, more lives in Virginia than the entire population of the great county of Cumberland. Folks, if you go back to Roe and you count, we're closing, we're not there yet, we're closing on eight aborted human lives in the United States alone for every man, woman, and child currently alive in Virginia. Let let that sink in. And so let me give you some hypotheticals here. Might we have had a cure for cancer? Might we have better, I don't know, race relations? Might we have found a more viable way to, to reduce fuel emissions from the internal combustion engine? What genius and beauty in the form of art and science? What love from a brother or a sister or a husband or a wife has not been visited upon this earth because of this practice, and it's open-ended and rhetorical, but truly, the young man who, who sat at the lunch table with, with my friends and I back in 1989 changed our lives for the better. You know, when you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself because this person you want to take to homecoming won't go in, and somebody who's profoundly disabled comes to the lunch table, plops down, and has a huge smile on his face, it sort of puts things in perspective. So That's right. And Tom, I, I actually believe that this is this is the civil rights movement of our time. This is civil rights for the unborn, because if they can't be protected when they're born alive and left and they're going to be left on the table to die, we have a serious problem here in America, the heart of America and just the morality of America when we can just let let babies die like this. And not to mention that we are killing off um, our, our future. One and we lied on our resume. When I, when I opened the show, we had about absolutely. 30 seconds. But when I started the show, I talked about the Declaration of Independence was America's introduction to the world. This is who we are. This is what we believe, that all people are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these rights and among these is, is life. And we apparently lied on our resume because, ironically, the song that brought us into this segment was only in America. And we're what, amongst the five most uh, permissive abortion cultures on the planet with like communist China? It's it's shameful. So And North it, Korea. It, and we're on the same list as North Korea. It, it, right. And and such progressive bastions as Sweden and France aren't, aren't in the same boat as the United States. It's just, you know, honor those basic fundamental realities that life matters. We're going to be back. Hopefully I can keep you for another three minutes. Folks, this is Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on 820 AM, 92.7 FM, WNTW, The Answer. Want to help Richard prove Scott's wrong once and for all? Call the Lee Brothers at 454-1366. Sounds good. Congressman Tom Garrett filling in for the Lee Brothers on 820 AM, 92.7 FM, WNTW, The Answer. I love doing that, WNTW, The Answer. It's so much fun. Diana, am I allowed to have fun while I do this? 
Yes, you're having a lot of fun. I do, again, and we're talking about not the most fun subject matter, but you know what? We're in the fight, and that's what matters. We're called upon not to succeed, but to try. And boy, I, I really admire you for the things you're trying to do. Um, website, anything like that you can give us? Yes, the website is virginiafirstfoundation.org. That's VAfirstfoundation.org. And I just want to say, Tom, you've said this to me so many times over the years. Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. And that's why we're doing this. And so we're going to continue to be eternally vigilant. Amen. And we will be back. Making radio great again. It's the Lee Brothers. And I can't find it in the Bible, but I use I quote it all the time, and I keep reading and reading the Bible. I know it's there someplace. It's supposed to be in Isaiah. But I heard a bishop say, um, to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. It's there somewhere in some words or another. of the Bible. That must be in the Pelosi Bible. Are we on? We are on, and Nancy Pelosi apparently has her very unsacred text. I spent a little bit of time with her. Um, uh, I I will tell you that I really enjoy uh, interaction with Senator Kane, even though I disagree with him on a lot of stuff. Uh, I find Ralph Northam to be a nice guy, although I'd love to hear the backstory. I think he once called me, the, when I was in the state senate, and he was lieutenant governor, he once called me the bard of Buckingham because I was from Buckingham County and I was apparently eloquent. I'd like to hear the backstory on Coon Man um, that, that, he put, that he put in his own yearbook, his, his undergraduate yearbook. Um, but apparently, apparently Speaker Pelosi has her own Bible. So on this show, you're going to get a breath, an eclectic mix of wisdom, and then we're going to sprinkle it with some Garrettisms, and you can debate amongst yourselves whether or not there's any wisdom in those. But today, just off the top of my head, we've gotten uh, we've gotten David Eubank, we've gotten Ralph Northam, uh, we've gotten Nancy Pelosi, for goodness sake, we've we've gotten Thomas Jefferson. Um, it, it is it's far and wide. I want to I want to quote from another great American. No government. Ever voluntarily reduces itself in size. Government programs, once lodged, never disappear. Actually, a government bureau is the nearest thing to eternal life we'll ever see on Earth. And you get a gold star if you knew that that was his eminence, Ronald Reagan. He also said, and I think this is kind of a good one, government's view of the economy could be summed up in a few short phrases. If it moves, tax it. If it keeps moving, regulated, and if it stops moving, subsidize it. Folks, I uh, I made the egregious error, uh, 12-0 and 0 as a campaign uh, staffer or candidate in elections, I made the egregious error uh, of running for Congress and succeeding, and then I got to go look at that, that it, it, and it, it's worse than you think. I just paused for dramatic effect, because it's worse than you think. Everybody, I hope, has heard the story about the telephone tax that was initiated originally in 1898 during the Spanish-American War and the, and the, and the, and the spendthrift right, of which I am a proud member, 
sort of glommed onto that and said, here we have a tax that was implemented to to get the rich, right, because only wealthy people owned telephones in 1898, to pay for the Spanish-American War. And they kept saying, and it still exists. Well, in 2006, we finally got rid of it. But there is an axiom in Washington, the best tax is an old tax, right? If you're paying it and you don't realize you're paying it, then the people that are that are sort of funding their pet projects off the sweat of your brow really like it. And, and so that one took a while, and then when we started pointing it out, it finally went away after, what, 108 years of intermittent use. The closest thing to eternal life that you'll find on Earth is a government program. Anybody familiar with the national slash federal helium reserve then then you look man you're on the best talk in richmond it's time to talk about the national helium reserve now i have to tell you that i like it when comedians do that thing with those balloons where they make their voices really high pitched right i mean if you can't actually hold a microphone down for three hours maybe some helium will help you with your shtick and you can pull it off but yes there was a national helium reserve. The bulk of the helium is stored under a great big rock outside Amarillo, Texas. And there still is a national helium reserve. But why did we have a national helium reserve? Perhaps there's something that I don't know. Maybe we need helium. Maybe stand-up comics across the fruited plain are afraid that they might run out of their fallback gag. Well, we had the national helium reserve, which was started in 1925, to fund our military's procurement of rigid-framed airships. You know, like the Hindenburg. I mean, that was not an American rigid-framed airship. But, you know, dirigibles. A rare display of common sense. We don't... Well, it didn't. Rare it is. Uh, So we still have one. In 2008, uh, in the waning days of uh, HW, it looked like we might get rid of it, but then instead we got something called... Something to the effect of the Helium Stewardship Act, and I still can't figure out what it does. But suffice it to say, I exaggerate not that millions and millions and millions of your dollars every year go so that the federal government can essentially control the helium industry. You know what they do with the helium? They give it to private sector helium providers to refine and then use commercially. Now, I don't know what the demand for helium is, but I'm thinking if the supply is uh, out there and the demand is out there that the free market can handle the helium now that we're out of the rigid framed airships business hold on one second i can't hear myself ah, now we've gotten we, we've hit for the cycle we got pelosi obama and reagan in the same segment um and and so there it is and and so i would welcome your calls and commentary we just saw an uproar over budget cuts that would have involved rollbacks on 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 funding of the special olympics hey listen to me i love the special olympics i think they're amazing and worthwhile and far beyond the purview and role of government, right? I mean, here's something that I would be delighted to give some of my own money to support, but to be compelled to by the force of law is a little bit overwhelming, right? Again, if you study the Constitution, if you know what an enumerated power is, maybe that's beyond the purview of government. So what are we doing in government that you don't think we ought to be doing? We could do this all day long, 804-454-1366, Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard on 820 AM, 92.7 FM, The Answer. And why do these things get perpetuated? Well, because politicians treat us in a condescending patriarchal fashion, said patriarchal, patriarchal fashion like children. Now, what's the worst thing you can say to a child? 
If you want to elicit a bad reaction, that's correct. It's a, it's the dreaded two-letter word, no. But there's no shortage of good ideas when you fund them with other people's money. And very, very few members of, of our elected uh, office, particularly those who've never met a new program or funded an old and unnecessary program they didn't like, have ever had to sleep in the bed they've made. You don't have the job creators there, with the exception of guys like John McGuire, who from scratch with a high school diploma and 10 years as a Navy SEAL started a 55-employee business. You don't. And so it's a lot easier just to say yes, essentially to go along to get along. And we've mastered the art in Washington, D.C. of naming bills in manners such that they're disingenuous at, at best and dishonest at worst. Helium stewardship. I don't know if there's a delay, so I won't finish that, but I was going to reference an often compressed portion of my anatomy upon which I'm currently sitting. Oh, thank you. I didn't say it. You didn't have to do that. Um, but call in if you got one that maybe we ought not have the government in the business of. And the other thing that's easy here, low-hanging fruit, is things that the federal government has injected themselves into that are in no way, shape, or form the purview of the federal government. If the Lee brothers ever have me back, and I'm beginning to doubt their sanity because this is the second time, we might talk about marijuana. Oh, my gosh, Tom Garrett said marijuana. Is he pro-marijuana? Well, I had a bill that would have taken the federal government out of the marijuana business. He must be pro-marijuana. No, I'm pro-Constitution. Before we tortured, tortured the Interstate Commerce Clause, There's absolutely no conceivable way that it is the role of the federal government to dictate activity economically that can be completed from soup to nuts intrastate. So I will tell you that I think it's stupid to smoke anything. Wink, nudge. I might have had a cigarette today. Much less marijuana. But it ain't the role of the government. What else is there out there? We could do this all day long. That we should tell, look, I, start, I really contemplated a segment on today's show called Things I Don't Care About, parentheses, and neither should you, end parentheses. We talk about the love of God and, and the worth of humans as, as it exists in a world where they're endowed with certain rights by their creator because I have a strong personal faith. But it's not my job to foist it upon you. It's not my job to judge you. Things I don't care about and you shouldn't either. Who your neighbor sleeps with, unless it's you or your spouse, at which point you have a reason to be concerned. Things like that, right? To understand the fallen nature of humanity is to understand that there will be bad decisions made. But freedom means the ability to make those bad decisions. And prosperity is a world wherein the individual that makes those bad decisions might suffer consequences, but they're not passed on to all of his or her neighbors. And I'll tell you, the essence of what's wrong with this whole leftist lurch towards socialism is what Margaret Thatcher said. I just felt like we should quote another luminary. And that is sooner or later, you run out of other people's money. Right. So your freedom stops where my wallet starts as it relates to what choices I can make by virtue of the work that I do for myself and my family. Folks, we got a lot more coming up at the top of the hour. And we lost Congressman Ralph Norman today, either because he got afraid to come on this show, which I doubt, but he might have because his name sounds so much like Ralph Northam. Uh, but we're going to have him back on a future segment. At the top of the hour, we got Jay James from Bridge Ministries. Amazing work. Going to talk about uh, 
the First Steps Act, criminal justice reform. I'm Tom Garrett for the Lee Brothers. This is AMA 20, 92.7 FM, The Answer. Freedom isn't passed through the bloodstream. It's fought for daily. Fight alongside the Lee Brothers. The role of government is to protect the God-given rights that we have and to ensure that we live as free as possible. The role of government is to tax people to the least extent possible while still taxing them enough to, to, to cover basic needs for government. And if we're questioning what those needs are, we can just look at our Constitution. They're generally pretty clear there. Take out the papers and the trash. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to 820 AM, 92.7 FM, The Answer. Folks, somebody out there is in their car and they're listening and they're like, they can't turn away. It's like a train wreck. Oh my gosh, who is this? It's Tom Garrett for the Lee Brothers. But wait, the signal's fading. The signal's fading. Whatever will I do? Well, pull off the road. Go to your Bluetooth-enabled device. Go to www.820theanswer.com, and you can stream us. Oh, my gosh. When you are out of the massive listing area, you can still get the answer. Here on 820 AM, 92.7 FM, this is Tom Garrett for the Lee Brothers. That was Dan Crenshaw. I like to call him Rookie. Um freshman representative from Texas. Look, the enumerated powers are specifically enumerated for a reason, right? I mean, a legislative hot, but again, I am somebody who tries to get to church on Sunday and has a strong faith guidance in his own life, but it's not my job to voice that upon you as a member of the government. So July 1st, 2014, a bill that that, that was ours uh, went into effect as a, when I was a member of the state Senate, and that was... Um, You might not believe this. Some of you may be felons. A bill in the Virginia Code that regulated the intimate acts engaged in by people, adults of age with consent. Meaning that a husband and a wife who enjoyed intimacy other than that most traditional form were technically by law in Virginia felons. Well, I mean... Can somebody, I've said this multiple times, can somebody please explain to me how it's the purview of the state government to dictate the behavior of consenting adults, not in public, not for pay? I couldn't find a reason, but we live in such a partisan time that if you want to Google search it, the articles are still out there. I got attacked from the left. They said, Garrett's obsessed with teenage sex. I said, no, I'm obsessed because we left something in there that said these things were still, (coughs) excuse me, illegal if they were visited upon a child by an adult. You former prosecutor, that's kind of handy. Um, and, uh, oh, Garrett's got Garrett's got this obsession. Garrett's got this obsession. I don't care what you do with your consenting adult partner, but if you start messing with my twelve year old, the law protects you, not me, and you're being protected from me. So we took ridicule, and then uh, you know why is Garrett why is Garrett doing this? Because it's not the role of government to dictate to consenting adults what they do. Whether your values dis- d- disagree with what someone else does in in the sanctity of their own bed quarters is fine. You have that right. Mine might too, but it's not the role of government. Just like we don't need a federal helium reserve. Just like a telephone tax instituted 
to tax the rich to pay for the Spanish-American War in 1898 didn't need to be used for 108 years before it finally got gotten rid of, right? So what are the things that government does that drive you crazy? What are the things that government's involved in that's none of its business? And then coming up at the top of the hour, Jay James from Bridge Ministries, I want to talk with him about the Bridge Ministry, but, but about the First Step Act. This is something that's a real triumph of the Trump administration. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I'm not a never Trumper and I'm not an always Trumper. I'm a balls and strikes kind of guy, right? So when he's right, I will say he's right. And when I think he's wrong, I'll say I think he's wrong. And that's what my job was as a member of Congress. I got in some degree of trouble because there are people who you've heard of in Republican leadership now and prior who I informed eye to eye. Nobody in my district voted for me to come up here and do what you told me to. Candidly, I think that we need a few more people who think like that in Washington, D.C. But this first step at this criminal justice reform that president, and this is coming from a guy who prosecuted for the better part of a decade, that President Trump was able to get across the finish line. Van Jones, right, once upon a time self-avowed communist, Van Jones, Obama administration czar, said if President Trump can get criminal justice reform done, I'll give him credit. And the left ate Van Jones alive. Right. I've always said if I had the, the, the distinction of serving under President Obama and not President Trump, I'd have looked at the Venn diagram of values, found the 5% overlap and worked right there. So as a former prosecutor who's put a bunch of people under the jail for doing things like preying on children and taking human lives, etc., I can tell you that when I worked general district court and I'd look across the dais and see a criminal defendant who probably wasn't so evil as had, as had exercised poor judgment, I knew that there was a price to be paid under law, but I didn't think that we should destroy their lives, right? The first thing that we were doing with people who'd committed crimes is, is getting them in the court and saying, you need to go out and get a job and be a productive member of society and I'll surrender your driver's license. Well, folks, I've had the blessing and the, and the honor of growing up in rural areas and that driver's license is synonymous to a job. If you want somebody to go out and be productive and get a job, taking their driver's license is sort of antithetical to that goal. So we're going to talk about some of that at the top of the hour, but call in with what needs to be gotten out of the government. I'm Tom Garrett, filling in for the Lee Brothers on AMA 20, 92.7 FM, The Answer. Kind, compassionate, and tolerant. Oh, wait. That's a different show. The Lee Brothers. That's 1000 for you, 1000 for me, and 1, 2, 3, 4000 for him. 1000 for you, 1000 for me, and yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4000 for him. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Who's getting a bigger share than we are? Him. Who's him? The income tax man. The- I'm Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on The Answer, AMA 2092.7 FM. And if you're driving along and you're about to lose the signal, pull off the road before you go to your Bluetooth-enabled device and turn on www.820theanswer.com. Golly, Ned, you got to look out for the safety of yourself and others. We're talking about things that exist in government that shouldn't. We talked about the Federal Helium Reserve, the National Helium Reserve. We talked about... A telephone tax levied on the rich, right? We're just going to get those guys in 1898 to pay for the Spanish-American War because only rich people owned telephones in 1898. Alas, that tax lasted for another century. We're talking about the government telling you what to do in your bedroom when you're of age with consent. 
We're talking about the government regulating things under the clauses like interstate commerce that have nothing to do with interstate commerce. We're talking about the climate politically that's such a train wreck that the bill that I was talking about where I was excoriated by the left passed 40 to nothing in the state Senate and 100 to nothing in the House after that they attacked me. Um, So that's the world we live in, folks. Really, it's as simple as this. If, If someone from the government tells you that they need the fruits of your labor because they know better what you and your family need than you do, Put your hand over your wallet and slowly back away. Put your hand over your wallet and slowly back away. Folks, I'm Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee. We've had Shy, Comma, Low, and Ocean versus Daughters bumper music. I don't know what they're giving me now, but we'll be Dizzy Gillespie. All right, I can't disparage Dizzy. We'll be back. Join us in about five minutes after the news. Best Talk AMA 20, FM 92.7, The Answer. So I spent the better part of a decade as a prosecutor, and I have to tell you, uh, probably the best job I ever had, save leading American soldiers on foreign soil as a fire supporter in the United States Army. Um, Really, really gratifying to do the best I can to try to see justice done. Um, We talked about this briefly earlier when we prosecuted child predators, and we did a lot of that work and put guys away for a long time. It was never about retribution. It was never about justice as much as it was about knowing that if you wake up in the morning and you have a proclivity to prey on children, you probably won't lose it before you go to bed that night, right? And so for me, it was about the kids that were never victimized, about the lives that were never shattered, about the damage that was never done. And so I got a reputation as a guy who was pretty tough on crime. But warehousing human beings, losing sight of the fact that human beings have value, right? We talked about uh, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, that lives have value. Throwing people out, particularly because of a series of misdeeds committed in what psychologists might argue was youth, that is the age even after 18, into the mid to late 20s in some instances, seems to me to be a waste of the most precious resource that we have, and that is human beings. And I greeted with a skeptical eye oftentimes people who said they would help with rehabilitating, etc. But the more I watched, the more I learned that the difference between myself and the criminal defendant oftentimes was the fact that I was lucky enough to have been born with a mother and father who, 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 who gave me good values. A father, candidly, who instilled in me not only values, but fear of repercussions, And I look down the dais and see a young man who didn't have that. And we're going to warehouse him for the rest of his life. And so I really started to have a change of heart on that. Now, we talked about bipartisanship. We talked about getting along and passing bills that make sense. President Trump won kudos from Van Jones, right? Former Obama administration czar and and at one time self-proclaimed communist. Van Jones said, "If, if President Trump can do criminal justice reform, I'm going to be on his side on that one. And then he was excoriated by his opponents. Criminal justice reform was needed because we were throwing away lives unnecessarily, right? 
If you rape and murder somebody, if you prey on children, I got no compassion. By gosh, if you're a repeat misdemeanor offender in your 20s, we don't need to make you a felon and ruin the rest of your lives. And there are people who've known this longer than me who can speak to that. And joining us right now from the Bridge Ministry out in my former and perhaps future home of Buckingham County, Jay James and Pastor William Washington. Guys, Bridge Ministry is something I really believe in. You kind of have dedicated your lives to it. Tell us about redemption. Tell us about people who society might have given up on and how with a little bit of positive intervention, great things can happen. Well, Tom, I I will... um... First of all, it's an honor for both uh, Mr. Washington and I to be on your program. Um, we really appreciate the the invitation, and and as you as you referenced in, in your lead-in, you know, um, giving your life to something like this is is such a remarkable thing because what we get to see on a regular basis, Tom, is we get to see those circumstances that you referenced earlier, where you had two good parents, and yes, you can definitely in this in this great country we live in. You can do anything. You can achieve anything. But it doesn't mean that everybody starts off from the same place. And we've seen guys who um, we serve men in our 18-month residential program who are dealing with life control and issues. And our founder and executive director, Mr. Washington, who's on here with us, will be able to speak to what he's seen over 30 years of. A lot of times, Tom, that begins with abuse. That begins when you, you, you're four, five, six years old and dad is no longer in your home, as you referenced. And then you begin a cycle of life in which um, things can go in ways that you would have never anticipated. And we are so many stories that we've seen over the thousands of men that we have served um, over the last 25 plus years that something early in life happened that put them on a trajectory of making poor decisions. Well, let me, let me jump in. One thing I learned was that the number one predictor of somebody who was a sexual predator against children was that that person had been a victim. Right. And you know, I can't make this stuff up. So you're, you're so right. Again, I mean, as a prosecutor, I dealt with outcomes, right? You, you'd already robbed the bank. You'd already killed the person, what have you. And I applied the law, but I tried to do it justly. And when I had a kid who'd been popped for shoplifting three times by age 22 and they're about to be a felon, I mean, goodness gracious, right? So so you guys, 30 years at Bridge Ministry, how many people have you guys worked with? How many have you touched, metaphorically? It's a little over 10,000 we have worked with. And during that time, we come to find out probably about 85% of them come in having very similar problems. Like person myself, Tom, you know, you know a little bit about my story. I raised up in a home that my mother was an alcoholic, my father was an alcoholic. But I, I raised up in a home that, you know, you what what some people would call structured. You know, we, we didn't I didn't we couldn't curse. We didn't talk back to our parents. You know, I raised up on a six hundred some acre farm, you know, and we, we got up every morning at four o'clock and we took care of the farm work and then we went to school. Wanted to to finish school, wanted to to go into the service. You know, my father was went into the service. My grandfather went to the service. So it was a life playing out for me that I, I was hoping to one day to live. And then all at once, addiction started to change in my direction. And that addiction started with my mother and father. But eventually, because of that addiction and that addictive behavior, I was very much groomed in it and then eventually became a part of it. You know, my father shot me at the age of 14 when he was intoxicated. I ran away from home, survived, ran away from home. 
got in trouble with the law, you know, and, and I got in trouble with the law, not so much as wanted to break the law, I got in trouble with the law in the name of survival, you know, trying to get a, a meal, selling drugs to get a meal. And, and from that, start that, got into that train and didn't know how to get out. And eventually 17 uh, years, uh, uh, a few years later, 17 years uh, since, uh, uh, because I kept repeating the same thing. And uh, one of the judges could see that. He could see that, which is just what. And, and uh, with him and the prosecutor attorney come together and gave me an opportunity, went into a program like the program we have today, and it changed my life. And you have subsequently changed 10,000 other lives. You, you guys talked to me before. We talk a lot about statistics, recidivism. When you guys get somebody through your program, it's 18 months on site, right? Successfully. Yes. What, what's, what, what kind of math are we seeing? What are the, how many people are coming back into the system, to use a cliche? If you complete the whole program, the whole 18-month program, we got from a 76 to an 86% success rate. And that's, that's one of the highest success rates out there. And our success rate is based on five years after going through the program. So after five years of being successful in the program, we're, we're coming to see we got from a 76 to an 86% success rate. That's, the success rate really starts to vary when it, because of how many guys we have in the program. But overall, we are very successful when we start to see the guys implement the, 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 the day-to-day uh, structure of the program and start applying it to, to their lives. It changed everything. It works if you work it. Look, we got to come. We're coming up on a break. I'd love to keep you guys around. Um, I want to hear more. Uh, you know, you know, I'm not that good at math, but 76 to 86 percent means four out of three out of four to four out of five. And yeah. these are human beings who are contributing to this world that, that, we, that we all enjoy. Uh, I think it's worth a shot. And that's what the First Step Act does. Folks, Jay James, uh, William Washington from the Bridge Ministry. I'm Tom Garrett for the Lee Brothers on Richmond's Best Talk, WNTWA, 20 a.m., 92.7, The Answer. Think it's going to be a long, long time. The touchdown brings me round again to find. I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man. The Lee Brothers, showing off the First Amendment and using the second only when necessary. I'm Folks, this is Tom Garrett for Scott and Richard Lee. And there are many questions, but only one answer AM. 820 92.7 FM. You got any questions for these great men? Jay James, William Washington of the Bridge Ministry. You're welcome to call in at 804 454 Talking about the First Step Act and, and a little bit of credit that maybe this president deserves. Look, criticize him if you disagree with him, but have the courage. If, if you think he's right about something, to stand up and say it. Criminal justice reform is long overdue. I'm a politician or a recovering politician. It was always easy to run as getting tough on crime, but let's not throw out the proverbial baby with the bathwater, right? The serial rapist is not the same as the petty thief. And the 23-year-old with no prior criminal offenses isn't the same as the 50-year-old who's got seven pages of criminal history. So the bridge ministry is something awesome. Pastor Washington, William, you... uh, you're the founder, 30 years, over 10,000 helped. You're looking at a success rate that's somewhere between three out of four and, and four to five. If you finish the program, within five years, you have not been 
rearrested, reincarcerated. Pretty amazing stuff. Uh, give us some background. Define the bridge ministry. What what is the bridge ministry? The bridge ministry is an eighteen month program that based on deal with life controlling issues. So we we just don't focus on addiction. We focus on addictive behavior because we I I personally I believe. The addiction is the magnified problem. They're the problem that everybody, pretty much in the family and the, you know, the the court system, the problem that everybody can see. But that's, we believe there are uh, deep rooted, hidden problems. Problems that they do not understand. Problems like the way we was raised, the the environment that we came out of. That we're still living in a mindset of of uh, uh, of addiction or behavior that keep causing us to going back into them places and people, places, and things that keep separating us from our success. So, uh, but the Bridge Ministry, we focus on, you know, just uh, the day-to-day things that everyone do. You know, we're getting up at a certain time in the morning, you know, to start to working on structure. And that structure start with very, very, oh, some of them they call it tedious things that we, we take for granted, you know, just getting up in the morning, making your bed, and, and we start there. So we start with success and eventually, from that, from them, them, them small steps, we enter into the greater things, the things that that uh, is hard for that individual to see. And I, I just had just graduated. Man, he was. You, you, look, I want to hit something here, and I have this thing. You know, my wife calls it Asperger's, where I just say what I'm thinking. Twenty eight okay. years I spent self medicating with alcohol. Right, I've never lost an election. I didn't run for re-election to Congress because two or three nights a week I was drinking myself into oblivion to shut my brain down. And so I'm 10 months and 12 days without a drink right now. I had to relearn everything. That was my out. Now, lucky, you know, there, but for the grace of God, I never hurt anybody. I never drank and drove or, you know, but that, 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 that was a problem that I had that I needed to confront that required relearning how to live my life. God's got plans for me. I don't know what they are, which kind of makes it exciting. And, 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 and that God, I've been so fortunate because people recognize some value in what I brought to the table. Now, we're talking about a subset of human beings that brings stuff to the table and nobody's recognizing it. I had people saying, Tom, man, what's your number one priority? And when it became getting myself as good as I could be, then I realized that Congress wasn't that darn big a deal. Nobody's telling these guys that. You guys are doing that at Bridge Ministry, right? And that's that's one of the things to me that I just think is amazing. Now, who do you serve? What's the area that you serve? What sort of, who's the model sort of candidate for Bridge Ministry? Well, Jay, Tom, yeah, Tom, I, I would say that uh, I, I work in our admissions department and we're looking for, you know, you made a comment in the first segment, Tom, where you said, look, there's certain individuals that incarceration is necessary, you know, under those circumstances. And so we don't work with anyone who's violent and we can't house uh, people who have a sexual offense. So we're looking at people who have violated their probation multiple times. They're dealing with substance abuse. And the biggest issue we deal with, Tom, is the opioid epidemic. Right. We've been dealing with it for years, and we have had one of the highest success rates in it because of addressing the issues, as Mr. Washington was saying, that are beneath that magnified problem of opioid, medicating yourself with pills, alcohol, whatever the case may be. So we have a really, I love the fact that you're a former prosecutor because those are some of the folks who are critically important to what we do. Mr. Washington co-founded our program with a sitting circuit court judge. It was a part of, of crafting what we ha- we have today that's had so much success. So we work with prosecutors, obviously defense attorneys, probation officers, all trying to find a consensus to find the right candidate and give them the best chance of, for success 
Mr. Washington and, and our staff, he's led our staff in designing this to be strategic because, Tom, as you know, you can't help everybody. Well, you, know, you, you want to, the, the reason I got you guys on is because this is something that's working. And, and if anybody wants to steal your good ideas, I hope they do because this is important. Right. I got a good friend, and we got about a minute before break, who I used to lifeguard with years ago when I was young and thin and had a full head of hair, who fell off a ladder. <laughs> Who fell off a ladder, got on opioids, and then and then about five years later, he was in federal prison for cooking meth. All right, this guy, I hold firm to, and I was a sitting prosecutor and called the federal courts to to put a statement in on his behalf to his character, and he's out and he's doing very well. But here's a guy, but that had he not had a catastrophic injury and gotten into pain meds and then couldn't get enough and then went another direction, and he's in federal prison. He's out now. And he's happy, and he's married, and he's a dad again, and he's a worker again. People are redeemable. When we get back, let's talk, and we're going to only have a couple of minutes left. How'd the program start? What are you looking at? What's the future look like? I'm Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on WNTWAMA 2092.7, The Answer. Richard Lee, the circus clowns of talk radio. We are back, and we're going to cut straight back in. Tom Garrett for the Lee Brothers on WNTWAMA 20 FM 92.7. Guys, we only got a couple of minutes. What you're doing is so important. 10,000 lives touched uh, by your mathematical ratios, probably seven or 8,000 people who have readjusted to society and their, and their loving husbands and fathers and and workers and, 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 and enjoying life, right? Um, do you have a website or anything that you can point people to to learn more about the Bridge Ministry? Yeah, Tom, it's uh, bridgeministry.info, bridgeministry.info for anybody who has a family member or someone connected to them that they know that needs these type of services and, and is looking to make a life change and overcome this addictive behavior and addiction. And you, and you nail my next question. So I'm a defense attorney. I'm a husband or a father or a wife or a daughter. And, and I want, I can call up, right? And we're going to see if somebody's a candidate for Bridge Ministry. Is a geographical footprint limit uh, your, your ability to serve? Not at all. At the entire state, we work with, with the jurisdictions all over the state of Virginia, the Commonwealth, sometimes even in North Carolina and the state of Maryland. It's anybody who needs these services. Do you, do you find um, it's a little harder to help those ne'er-do-wells from North Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, it's just a pleasure. I am so sorry that we're, 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 we're running short. Uh, real quick, we got about one minute. What's the future look like? What, what are you guys doing? How do you get this successful program into, into more localities, into more lives? Um, I, I, Mr. Washington, you want to take that one? Um, yes, yes. I um, one of the things we're doing, we're working with different counties and and uh, in, in a couple of cities. They're trying to to uh, uh, give them the information how to to set up a bridge to that community. Now, the, the yeah, we we got about thirty seconds. Give me that website one more time. You guys are great. Thank you so much for being on. I want to do this again. Website one more time. BridgeMinistry.info. Thank you so much, gentlemen. God bless, and we will be right back. Zero diversity, complete intolerance, and a total lack of fairness. It's the Lee Brothers.
Richmond AM 820 FM 90.7. The answer, I'm Tom Garrett. In for the illustrious Scott and Richard Lee, formerly Congressman Tom Garrett. I was listening earlier to a different radio program and a guy who had an office two doors down the hall from me today, Jason Lewis, was filling in for some guy named Limbaugh. And I texted him and said, yeah, you got to fill in for Limbaugh, but brother, I'm on NTW filling in for Scott and Richard Lee. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner coming from the mean streets of Chester and broadcasting right across the fruited plain in Central Virginia. Folks, we've talked about a lot today. Uh, The Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act that both of our senators voted against that said simply that if a child manages to sneak from the womb during a botched abortion procedure alive, that they're entitled to actual medical care commensurate to that which a child of the same gestational age would receive. That one, like that's controversial. Like this child is out living, breathing, probably crying because babies are known to do that. But we heard stories about people snipping the spinal cords of these human beings, about dropping these children to drown them in formaldehyde, about wrapping them in plastic bags to suffocate them, about allowing them to die of dehydration or putting them in a broom closet where they wouldn't be heard while they starved or dehydrated. And it all started when our governor said, well, we'd make the infant comfortable and then have a conversation. And then we read from an article from Vox that said, well, you know, it doesn't happen often. So you're saying it happens, right? There are laws, rightly, to exacerbate your punishment if you set a flame, a house of worship, a mosque, a church, a, a synagogue. And there should be. It doesn't happen often, praise God. But Cain and Warner in good faith say we don't need it because it doesn't happen often. There are laws to punish the use of an explosive device in an act of terrorism. It doesn't happen often, but I'm glad we have them. And America's resume to the world where we said to the world, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is what we do. I would argue, and I think I'm right, but if you disagree, you're welcome to call 804-454-1366. And tell me why you think I'm wrong. The Declaration of Independence said we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all human beings are created equal and endowed by their creator, not the government, with certain alienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let's just walk down that road a little ways. These words, these these words that are relatively brief in the Declaration, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, they have meaning, and, and they were chosen very carefully. And some of them were debated by people far smarter than you and me. I'm not that smart. You're probably brilliant. But there's a reason the word pursuit of happiness is in there, right? You can't guarantee outcomes. And where the government tries to guarantee anything, the only outcome I can guarantee is inefficiency and waste, right? Because it's really easy to be liberal in spending the fruits of other people's labor. And a wiser person than me once said that a government big enough to give you anything you want is also big enough to take away everything you have. And we talked about the federal helium reserve, right? Established in 1925 so that we might have helium for our military, for our rigid frame airships, dirigibles. Well, we, I don't think we've used those on any scale for a while, but we still got the federal helium reserve. 
The exalted Ronald Reagan once said that the closest thing to eternal life that you will find on Earth is a government program, tragically. Unfortunately, he was right. Someone else once said that the bureaucracy will continue to expand to meet the needs of the expanding bureaucracy. And Margaret Thatcher, I would argue the greatest European leader of the last 40 years, said the problem with socialism is that sooner or later you run out of other people's money. Here's the point that people are missing when they expand upon the beauty that is socialism. You cannot, in a world populated by fallen, flawed individuals, dictate outcomes without hurting people. And the caller in the first hour, Josie, who said, well, if I were profoundly disabled, I would want to be aborted. That's more or less what she said. Misses the point. That may well be the case. I would make a pretty strong argument that she should have that right. As a former prosecutor, it struck me that it would be really cruel to prosecute attempted suicide. But in Virginia, it's legal. Nobody prosecutes it. But who is she to make that distinction or that, that, that decision for another human being? Who should be the arbiter of who lives and dies? Should it be the government? That's been tried before. They were real big into that in Germany between about 1935 and 1945. Millions dead. It's been tried in Cambodia. Pol Pot. Mao did that during the Great Leap Forward. Millions and millions and millions dead. Did it in the Soviet Union. Where are the legion of enlightened Hollywood intelligentsia, Sean Penn, etc., Alec Baldwin, who t- and really, I mean, Google it, President Barack Obama, who told us how wonderful the socialism in Venezuela was going to be, the most prosperous nation 20 years ago in all of Latin America, blessed with more oil wealth per square mile than anywhere on the planet to include Saudi Arabia, And the average citizens lost 20 pounds in the last year, not because they wanted to diet, but because there's no food. Toilet paper is literally, in some instances, more expensive than the currency that one's supposed to use to buy it. These things fail. The definition of hubris is the presumption that we can do it better than some other entity that failed in the past. Well, Well, they just didn't do it right. Oh, but what about Sweden, folks? I'm sorry. Wake up call. Sweden's economy was on the rocks. They moved to the right and and, and implemented more free market alternatives. And that's the only way they've survived. So even the examples that we get cited to us by the left aren't good examples because they ignore the reality. Folks, somebody needs to call in you are missing an amazing opportunity to be on the best talk radio in Richmond, AM 820, FM 92.7, The Answer, 804-454-1366. What is the government doing that should stop doing? What is the government program that should have never been established, let alone still exist? What is it that your political party thinks it should interject itself into, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, that you'd really rather they stayed out of? that you'd really rather they stayed out of, right? I remember when we were doing this definition of marriage stuff and I was in the state Senate and my question to the people, and I, and I believe, let me be clear, I believe that marriage is an institution between a man and a woman ordained by God, but 
what I believe and the role of the government might be two different things, right? The Establishment Clause says, make no laws establishing a religion nor prohibiting the free practice thereof, right? So the ultimate tyranny is when the government tells the Catholic Church or the Southern Baptists or the, or the Orthodox Jews that you have to marry same-sex couples. That's tyranny. But it's also tyranny when they tell the Unitarian Universalists that they can't. Not because I believe the same things they believe, but because they have a right to believe differently than me. What is it that the government does it shouldn't be doing? What is it that your political party is into that it shouldn't be into? What program was established and still exists that makes you pull your hair? In my case, this is hard because I don't have much hair left. That makes you pull your hair out at night. How do we fix Washington? Well, one day we'll do a whole three hours on what's wrong up there. Right. Let me tell you a story. You'll get to hear this one again if they're crazy enough to have me back. My district, my congressional district, has as its number, number one economic commodity, agriculture. And so it struck me that it might be good for me to try to sit on the agriculture committee so that I could help the people in my district with formulating good policy. So I sat down with the chairman of the House Committee on Agriculture, whose name I shall not name, but if you're proficient with Google, you might be to find it out. Really nice guy. I like him. This is January 5th, probably 2017, and, and, and there's, I'm a newly elected, newly sworn in member. Garrett, you want to be on ag? Well, you know, I mean, it represents my district. I think it might be good. He goes, well, we got to pass a farm bill this Congress. Okay, cool. Let me see it. Oh, we hadn't written it yet, but if you want to be on ag, you got to promise me you'll vote for it. Well, hold up. Did you just ask me to promise you that I'd vote for a bill that I haven't had the opportunity to even read a summary of, let alone the bill? What? Yeah, yeah. If you're going to be on ag, you got to vote for the farm bill. Well, well, I can't promise you that I'm going to vote for something that I haven't seen. This is verbatim, folks. Well, maybe you shouldn't be on ag. Maybe I shouldn't. Ditto for Judiciary Committee. Well, I believe that this should be the federal policy as it relates to marijuana. Well, I don't believe there should be a federal policy. I believe Alabama and California should have the right to do it differently if they want. There's a constitution you ought to read, Chairman. Maybe you shouldn't be on judiciary. I got on Homeland Security because I do believe in that, and so did the Chairman, Mike McCall. Good guy. Folks, we're going to be back after the break. You need to call in to the best talk in Richmond, AMA 2092.7 FM, 804-454-1366. This is Tom Garrett in for the Brothers Lee. version of the Federalist Papers without all that reading. It's the Lee Brothers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. Welcome back. This is Tom Garrett filling for Scott and Richard Lee on the best talk in Richmond. The answer, AMA 2092.7 FM. What's wrong with our government? What's wrong with our political parties? What's wrong with our system? What could we be doing better? Russ in New Kent. I think Russ 
has got some proposals. Russ, welcome to WNTW. Hi. I'm enjoying the show. I don't know how you knew I had proposals, but I, I do. <laughs> well, if you hadn't, so, we'd uh, just skip to the other Russ from New Kent. Cause <laughs> we, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, Article 5, the, uh, propo- the method for proposing amendments that bypass Congress. And uh, I also wanted to say I really like the uh, little short documentaries that were floating on Facebook that you were in, you and Ken Buck and uh, Dave Bratt. Stand by for couple. more on that. I don't want to let the genie out of the bottle, but uh, the, guy okay, who did those, the guy who did those has got more coming. Those were awesome. And uh, as far as things I've heard about, I don't know if you've heard this one or a couple of them. One of them was a program from World War One, I, I believe, for a special kind of wool to be raised. And I think uh, one of the one of the national reporters took advantage of that, and it was good for about a ninety thousand dollar a year subsidy because he had a certain type of sheep on his ranch. Nice. And I think that might still be in effect. Um, I, let me interrupt late. you, Russ. We're going to hold you on the line. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not take, taking you off the air. I got sure. a friend. Uh, his first name's Miner. I won't give his last name, but if you know, there are many miners out there. Miner owns property in the mountains of Southwest Virginia. They said, "Man, your your place is one of the best spots in Virginia for a wind farm." And he said, "I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in. Tell me what I need to do." And and so they walked him through it. He said, well, you show me losing money. He goes, well, you're going to lose money, but you're going to make that up and in, in, in then some in government subsidies. And praise God, uh-huh. praise God that land is owned by somebody who said, I'm not taking money from hardworking Virginians <laughs> to line my pockets via the legally confiscated funds of the government. Yeah, right. I'm going to look up the wool program. What else have you got, Russ? Uh, there's a, there was a program. You remember Proxmire used to come out with those Golden Fleece Awards? And uh, this is right up the same alley. There was like three to five hundred thousand dollars for a study to see if quail enjoyed sex while they were on cocaine. Well, look, you say what you want. Ah, inquiring minds want to know. I'm totally kidding. How about boutique airlines? We have um, uh, a bill that's that we tried to repeal. I'm trying to remember. It's actually a, a California Republican, and I cannot recall his name. When I was in Congress a year ago. We have mandated mandated federal subsidies to small airlines that are more than, you know, 30 miles from a major area where you got people flying empty planes back and forth and making all their revenue on government handouts. Sure. Um, it, it's yeah. just it's mind it's mind blowing. And, and again, every dime the government spends, whether efficiently or inefficiently, was taken from someone who worked. And exactly. the left seems to, we talk about a living wage, then we talk about, you know, uh, raising the minimum wage. I get it. I feel your pain. I just felt like saying that. Um, <laughs> but what about the money we're taking from people already that we're wasting and we won't vote it down because we're afraid to say no? Well, until right. the voters start to place some accountability on stewardship, we'll get more of the same and it, it won't bode well. Right. Again, back to Thatcher. It works really well. But sooner or later, you run out of other people's money. Yep. And that's circling back to that convention space project. That's uh, the first thing that's really given me a little hope because 36,000 people in Virginia have signed a petition. And that's in about four years. And uh, and most people don't know about it. Right. You're doing a service by talking about it. Last time I was on for the Lee brothers, we had. my friend, Conger, or former Senator Jim DeMint, and he's a big advocate for Article 5. Oh, yeah. I, I really came 
um, full circle on it. I was afraid it ain't broke, don't fix it, runaway convention, but I'm right with you now, and here's why. Recency, frequency, primacy. They attacked the Constitution that's the longest functional Constitution on Earth. We're a really young country with the longest continually operating Constitution and democracy. By virtue of saying it's old and antiquated or that it was written by, you know, white slave owners or what have you, all of which I think are spurious articles. Again, why throw out the baby with the bathwater? I'll acknowledge Jefferson's flaws if you'll acknowledge his genius. And exactly. but, but so so we do this convention in the states. We're going to circle back around. We get recency, frequency, primacy. It just happened. We meant every word we said. And by gosh, this is the law because we've thrown it out incrementally over 200 plus years. And, and it's to our own demise. I, I fully believe that if we'd have been having conventions of state case to gently set the government back on the rails about every 10 or 15 years, we wouldn't be in the in the situation we're in right now. You know, we had three more states recently passed, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Utah. And so that's 15 of the required 34. Well, we just got to keep getting the word out. Russ, thanks for what you do. Thank you for calling, folks. This is Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on the Best Talk in Richmond, WNTW. AMA 20 FM 92.7. Folks, we got one more segment after the break, and we got time for one more caller, if you dare. 804-454-1366. Tom Garrett in for the Brothers Lee, and we'll be right back. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Man's own old age dream, the ultimate in individual freedom consistent with law and order, or down to the ant heap of totalitarianism. Folks, this is Tom Garrett in for the Brothers Lee, Scott and Richard. And we're going to call it a day here before too long, but I want to say thank you to the staff here in studio for putting up with me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe their Obamacare plan covers the therapy they may well need. Um, It's been a pleasure. If you want to reach out and tell me good job or I don't like you, which I'm used to, so go ahead. Crusader Media, all one word, Crusader Media at ProtonMail.com. Crusader Media at ProtonMail.com will come to me. Uh, really, really, really believe in what we're doing in this country. We are not perfect, but we're the best thing going on this planet. But freedom is only one generation away from extinction at any given moment, folks. It's important that you tune in and you act to save that which is so great, the United States of America. We're going to be back at some point if they're crazy enough to have us back. If you guys don't call in, I think I'm going to do the next show completely in freestyle hip-hop, and that is not pretty. Oh, shut up. All right, maybe not. But it's been a pleasure, and we will see you again soon. Signing out from the best talk radio in Richmond, AMA 20, FM 92.7. The answer, Tom Garrett saying good day. I don't know. I'm just going to make it up as I go along. My friends, we did it. We weren't just marking time. We made a difference. We made the city stronger. We made the city freer. And we left her in good hands. All in all, not bad. Not bad at all. And so, bye. God bless you. 
God bless the United States of America.